You're listening to the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast. Welcome everyone back to this 56th episode of the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and I'm joined today by none other than Derek. How are you doing, Derek? Howdy, everybody. I'm doing well. I'm doing well, as so, can be. Yeah, we, we wanted to get together and talk about, you know, kind of a, a wrap-up of 2021 and just see, you know, what were our favorite things in the in the genre and, and what we liked, what we didn't like, maybe. And, and talk also about our Boomi mm. Awards. You know, the Boomi Awards oh, yeah. are our, uh, our awards we do. This is now the second year we've done them. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we kind of get together, the whole team gets together and talks about their favorite stuff and we put it together and, and make little graphics for it. So it's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to be excited about this year. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to jump into this, uh, because that we had some controversy. I I'll be honest with you guys. We all is not well on the home front at post-apocalyptic. Uh Oh, (laughs) is that (laughs) the awards you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, right front and center movie of the year. Uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to tease that that we had some internal conflict on this one. (laughs) Well, let's just go ahead and get straight into that one. That's the first one uh, on the list anyway. Uh, So for the awards, we gave it to Finch. Now, Finch, of course, is a Tom Hanks movie on Apple Plus where he is a uh, it's kind of like an inventor. He makes a robot to help take care of his dog. Uh, you know, when he dies, because he's dying of radiation poisoning. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so wholesome. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's a great movie, and and so we all voted, and and you know what I did was I tallied up the points, and I gave points to you know what people chose as their first, second, third, all that, and then this is what came out first. Now, of course, you didn't <laughs> pick this as your first, though, right? No, no, no. F- Finch was the second best movie of the year. That's what, what that's what first? I'm willing to. The best movie, in my opinion, by a by a decent margin, the Tomorrow War. Mm, yeah, Chris which Pratt. Chris Pratt was that Amazon Prime? Yeah, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime original movie. Uh, incredible graphics. I mean, th- this was a you know a blockbuster level production. And it was wonderful. It was great. It, you had some time travel. You had aliens uh, trying to destroy all of mankind. I mean, I love that theme. It was really good. But, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from Finch. It was a great movie. Go see Finch if you haven't seen it. It's on uh, Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful movie. But Tomorrow War just had everything it was so good and so um and so yeah everybody i think just about if we had a consensus pick on the site it was probably this category because finch was the top pick for uh probably more than half of our writers yeah yeah and and tomorrow war came in a very you know well not a close second it was a it was second uh, we yeah. didn't really go down and do kind of you know first second third but we did have like a group of runners up uh, but Tomorrow War, I think, was second in the consensus. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a contender. It was a great movie. The ending was incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the ending, except for the very end, which yeah. got a little weird. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, but yeah, it, it was it was not the complete movie in that sense. And so you know, I get it. Finch is there, and then we have like another controversial item in here is Dune, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, if I'm being frank. If I was just going to gauge all the movies just on how good of a movie they are, Dune might have been my number one. Mm-hmm. But I'm incorporating a little bit of this post-apocalyptic score where I'm asking, you know, is Dune worthy of being the post-apocalyptic movie since it since it kind of toes the line? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too. You know, it, it's like when you're trying to think of the best post-apocalyptic movie you're not just thinking of movie, you're thinking in, you know, blockbuster, like you said, it's also how post-apocalyptic is. And and Dune is post-apocalyptic, yeah. but it's like, you know, 20,000 years in the future post-apocalyptic <laughs> on a different planet post-apocalyptic, you know? So it's, it's there, but it's like, you know, kind of a stretch. Like it's not, it's not the main, you know, like Finch and Tomorrow War, that, that's the main thing is the apocalypse. Right. Yeah. 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 If there was a movie that was like, I don't know, what if it was like a romance and it just like so happened to be in an apocalypse. You know what? I take that back because that just describes um, uh, a really good movie with the actress who plays Harley Quinn. And I can't remember the name. But uh, but yeah, there was a movie just like that. Now that I think of it, and it was very post-apocalyptic. But I'm, I'm trying to think of a way like it could just be very ancillary to the story uh with dune yeah the time gap is extreme we had that with game of thrones as well yeah where there is that question of you know how how remote does the apocalypse have to be because let's be honest we are in a kind of a post-apocalypse in our world if you um if you think that you know human humankind has had uh, existential disasters in the past, which I, I think yeah. is pretty likely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get technical, there are so many different, you know, Lord of the Rings is post-apocalyptic, you know, if you want to go, you know, go mm. that route. So, I mean, yeah, I understand. It's just, uh, it, it, I think sometimes we like to write about, um, or we like to cover these types of things because they count, you know, and at the mm-hmm. same time, they're really interesting. And, and I think Dune kind of falls into that. You know, it's a really, really great, you know, book and, and they're going to make more of them. And even some of the aesthetics, you know, the, the costumes and stuff are just really, really post-apocalyptic. They look really, really cool, you know? Yes. Uh, so oh, such great costumes. Yeah. I think that all kind of comes into play. Yeah. And, and the scenery with the, you know, the, the huge um, architecture and, and just, yeah, Dune is fantastic all around. Mm-hmm. story scenery yeah. acting it just has it all uh and, and the story was probably the most important to me i remember watching the original dune mm. vaguely when i was young and uh it didn't do it for me it was a little slow yeah. Yeah. i thought so uh, i was really happy to see this uh which really you know i, I we're not gonna we're not going to uh meander on movies the whole time but this is a good category because i, I think most people uh, listening uh, have seen these or or at least have easy access to them and so I, I actually I want to ask you Sean what what was your take on the Matrix Resurrections I have not seen it yet can you believe that <laughs> oh wow okay I know yeah I haven't seen it yet I uh, I don't I, I saw the I never saw the third one either which was what 2003 yeah I think that was 
didn't two and oh, three my. come out like the same year, like right after each other? Yes. Yeah. They were very fast in yeah. proximity. I want to say like, yeah, nine months separated uh, their release dates. And um, the thing, so Stephanie and I went back and we watched, we rewatched every Matrix movie uh, and including the Animatrix in December of, of 2021, just to make sure that we were up to date and remembered everything. And, and sure enough, there was, there was quite a bit that I had forgotten or that, you know, just hadn't stuck after watching it once in the theater and then done. Um, you know, I will say that you you really should know what happens in three if you're going to have a, a good understanding of Matrix Resurrections. Even uh, even the anim- reanimated, or is, is it reanimated? No, Animatrix, that's what I was thinking. And mm. Reanimated was a Linkin Park album that I really liked. <laughs> um no, but even the uh, Animatrix has some essential storyline, which I'm like, you know, if you don't know this, you don't know why the robots are so pissed at us. And uh, so there's there's a, a seed in there for people who are interested. But, uh, you know, one one thing I took away from rewatching all the Matrix movies is how back how how philosophy kind of takes a back seat. I my memory was telling me, oh, this is a very philosophical movie that really delves into it. And sure, they they do um, have some good philosophical moments in, in the Matrix movies. But it's really an action movie. Each one of them are action movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was a little disappointed that I didn't have more to sink my teeth into through that trilogy. Um, and then uh, and then Resurrections. Uh, you know, we're going to keep it spoiler free for, for Sean, but, um, it, it definitely, uh, opens it up in a way. Cause after three, you're like, where is this story going to go? Uh, you know, why are they still in the matrix? Um, it, it, resurrections really paints a good picture at the, at the start that's responsible and tells us why that we're back, uh, in this situation. So, I liked it. I wouldn't say it belongs in like the top three post-apocalyptic movies of the year, mm-hmm. but you know, but it's fun. It's, it's a, it's a throwback and there's lots of humor in it. So, uh, you know, not bad. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask you that. So I should definitely watch the others before I watch this one. Huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think that's, and they're on, I believe they're on HBO. Oh, Okay. All right, well, let's move on to TV show because that one is uh, that one was, was pretty much a wash. I mean, that was <laughs> we picked Sweet Tooth, and yes. I think everyone, pretty much everyone, had that number one. Um, I think Stephanie had Attack on Titan as number one, but I think the rest <laughs> of us had a, at least up there, you know. So it it blew away uh, the next in line, which would have been Tribes of Europa, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Sweet Tooth just blew that one away oh yeah utter dominance this year by sweet tooth yeah yeah man and 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 you think about like not a lot of star power in this one it's a good point yeah i mean you know tribes of europa even more so but yeah (laughs) but sweet tooth it had um would you say that it it's wholesome and yet at the same time they're not they're not giving you a show you can necessarily watch with your kids. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair because I think uh, I think a lot of people thought at first it was going to be a kid show. It's called Sweet Tooth. If you're not, you know, familiar with the comics, you're like, oh, you know, what is this? Um, it, they were really marketing around this little boy with the antlers, and it it really <laughs> made it seem like it was a kid show. But it's yeah. not a kid show at all. It's very dark and. Um, and the boy has, you know, his role is kind of of innocence, you know, and and innocence throughout all this crazy stuff that's going on around him. And mm. so, yeah, that makes it very, very not not kid movie. Uh, but it was a really, I thought it was really great. I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the next season. It it felt like it was a fun story. It doesn't feel at all complete. So if I had yeah. one criticism, it was it's just that um, I don't feel like the story's over after one season, which I guess that's that's not a very strong criticism. But it <laughs> it's got uh, it's just got so many great elements, and then it has like it has some elements that I would really appreciate as a kid. I guess I appreciate it as an adult. The um, there's one section where they kind of come across a a community of children, mm-hmm. and it kind of just reminded me of Hook. Oh, yeah. You see Hook? Yeah, yeah. And they have like, you know, they have their treehouse uh, thing and Hook, and then they have this community there, and it's just so much fun. It's like a, a, a whole life built around fun. And, uh, you know, Sweet Tooth kind of has something similar to that, and it, uh, it just reminded me of it, how much I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a fun show to watch. I think front to back, it changes itself. It's not just like repetitive Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it, there was no competition. Tribes of Europa, I enjoyed it, but it's just not on the same level. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, Tribes of Europa was our most anticipated from last year, mm. and I think mm-hmm. that's important because it, it really you know we didn't know what to expect. We're going off of the the trailers and everything, but it really didn't hit that mark like Sweet Tooth did. You know, it didn't. It, I don't think it it lived up to the hype. Um, that it got it at first, but it was still pretty good though. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's still at the starting block. I, I'm yeah. not counting tribes of Europa out because they're going to uh, build upon what they've, the foundation they have, mm-hmm. but there, it did kind of lack a wow factor for whatever reason there, there yeah. wasn't the, you know, hair blown back moment in tribes of Europa that maybe we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I think one other one too on this list of runners up, uh, Station Eleven. I feel like it just came in late. You know, it it just mm-hmm. it literally just came out in December, and there only there were only a couple episodes by the time we started compiling this list. And I feel like if it would have been a complete season, you know, and, and I think it probably would have done better on this list. But uh, I mm-hmm. really really enjoy that show. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's not. I don't know. It's not like the the best show I've ever seen, but it's it's really good. And I think episode three is really good. It's a really well done uh, episode. Have you seen it at all? I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and and speaking of controversy, Station Eleven is in the running here. Mm-hmm. I think that according to the rules, it could be that season one could be nominated next for the twenty twenty two. Oh. Based on the fact that it hasn't completed its season yet. That's a good point. Yeah. That's true. Maybe this isn't the last we've seen of Station Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to catch up. 
Yeah. Uh, I've heard so many good things. If you if you could just give me a quick elevator pitch of what Station Eleven's all about. Ooh, that's hard because it's a really complicated show. So, uh, okay, so there's this little girl. Oh yeah, I'll try to leave out spoilers too. This little girl in the apocalypse. Uh, it, the, you know, people are dying and and there's this like virus viral kind of thing, and she's a part of a theater group, um, and so she's big in the theater, all this stuff and. Station Eleven is actually a uh, graphic novel that someone that she gets through someone. I, okay, so that's getting a little complicated. <laughs> but anyway, so she's part of this theater group, and after the apocalypse, like twenty years later, they're still part of this theater group. Uh, there's there's this theater huh. group, and she's she kind of a lot of the people died, uh, but she is with like a new group, and they're going around the Great Lakes area, like Michigan. And what's funny is I watch this with my wife. My wife's from Michigan, and she, and so a lot of the places they're going to, she's like, oh, I know that place, and uh, so it's you know they're going around the the Great Lakes area, just performing for different little villages, like you know villages of survivors. So you get to see the the different types of of survivors and like how they've survived oh, cool. and things like that. And right. and then they it also has this whole uh this whole element of them, you know, trying to keep hope alive. You know, they're trying to bring culture back mm-hmm. and they're tr- trying to keep that alive. And through this all, there's this crazy antagonist who uh you know, again, I won't I don't want to spoil anything, but there's just this antagonist that's really crazy and they and they're trying to solve what's going on with this. Um, and there's a lot of flashbacks because you start out just kind of right at the apocalypse when this girl is little, she gets saved by this man um, during this whole thing, you know, while it's happening. And then you don't really see much more of them until later in, during flashbacks. You get to go go back and see how they survive together, um, you know, what they had to do to survive. And, and it's really good. It's, and then, like I was saying, that episode three was really good. It showed the woman who made the Station Eleven graphic novel, um, wh- who we we saw you know early on, I think in in episode one or two. So now we get to see her story and how she survived during the apocalypse, and it's really really interesting. I don't know, it's just hmm. it, it, it's complicated and it's very intertwined, and it's something you definitely have to pay attention to. Uh, but I, it's really well done. I really like it. Oh, cool! Yeah, when when you first said a theater troupe, my mind first went to like uh, Three Amigos or oh, you know yeah. a Bug's Life kind of a thing. But it, it sounds like it's it, they're not they're not going down that road so much as no, it's it's more like um, it's very realistic. I think um, hmm. it's it's a you know these people who are just trying to they're they're not actors. I mean, they are actors, but they're not. Know, they're like classically trained actors they're just people who want to bring hope to these villages and they you know yeah. so they get together but it's just a re- really eclectic group of people and how they get along and uh, they're led by uh, Lori Petty who's a uh, tank girl you know hmm. and uh, and mm-hmm. just really just I don't know just really well written I- I'd like to go back and read it's based on a book I'd like to go back and read that book all right, so uh, if I can't afford the torrent file, how am I going to watch it? <laughs> it's on HBO Max, so. Oh. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Definitely we'll be checking that out. It's pretty much the reason, you know, I got HBO Max for Dune, and then I kept it f- to wait for Station Eleven. That's pretty much what I, <laughs> why I still have it. It's totally worth it. 
All right, let's go on to... Um, so that was the best new show. And then we have best ongoing show, which is one uh, that didn't start this year or last year. Heavyweights. Yeah, but it just it keeps going and it keeps performing well, you know. And uh, and our number one in that was Snowpiercer. Yes, yes, Snowpiercer. Golly, it it feels like it's been a year since it since it concluded, but it actually, um, well, we were getting new episodes in March, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, they had two seasons in one year, so I think that's what really kind of mm. threw us off. It feels we got like spoiled. It's yeah, yeah. Um, this is the one I said Attack on Titan. Stephanie did on the last one, but this is the, the category where she had that because that was a runner-up Attack on Titan. Um, but yeah, Snowpiercer. I don't know if you saw they just released the trailer for season three. Uh, oh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it is really good. Like, I don't know. It's if you're following it and you know what you know what's going on in season two and and how it ended. Uh, they just pick right up and it's it's really cool. They they even show clips of the earth without snow like they found this warm hmm. area and you know so theoretically they're going to find this place and you know we don't know if they're gonna live there or, or what's gonna happen but i have to say you might remember i called this <laughs> way back when <laughs> i said i think it was season one i said i bet they're gonna find a place and they're gonna they're gonna find a, a place to uh you know stop the train basically and I don't know if that's true. If it's, well, the train did break up. There's two different parts of the train now. So I don't know if one of the parts is going to find this and the other part's not. And I don't know. Hmm. It's really interesting, though. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, okay. So right now, right off the bat, I'm seeing Snowpiercer Season 3 trailer, Jennifer Connelly, which is a... Um, which is a... a controversial thing to put in the title mm-hmm. when Jennifer Connelly... Maybe died. Did we see her alive before the end? Is that well? I mean, my memory right. Spoiler alert! But um, <laughs> she well, they, we didn't see her die. Uh, we saw that she was at the research center and then she was gone. And okay. what's interesting is in this trailer for season three, there's a new survivor that they found, uh, which Ooh. kind of proves that someone could survive off the train for eight years. And then it's like, well, does that mean that Melanie's going to still be alive, or you know, what, are there going to be other survivors? Like, it just opens up all these other questions, which is really intriguing. Yeah, that's uh, man. Okay, so so what they're telling us, if all these people survived, then the the whole train uh, concoction of a plan that's maybe not as necessary as they thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been just more of a, a Wilford power trip than anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he'll want to keep that secret because oh, yeah. he has absolute power on his train. Yeah. Or yeah. does he? I don't know. No spoilers yeah. <laughs> here. But, uh, wow, that is fascinating. I, ca- I can't wait to check that out um, yeah. as somebody who, you know, I I don't envision myself ever getting on a Snowpiercer. But... But I could see myself going down into like a uh, bunker mm-hmm. and sealing it off for 20 years and, and like trying to make that work. So it, it's a lot of the same dynamics where you have just this razor's edge of um, things going wrong could could just completely upend your whole plan. Yeah. 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 I, that, I think that's interesting. I mean, that's 
you know, that's Fallout too. You know, the vaults and everything, and it's it's kind of the mm. same thing. Where it's it's a really intriguing uh, premise to to survive something and then kind of jump back into society and and so I, I think that's where they're going with that. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Uh, let's see. And we also had so th- again, these are the ongoing ones. We had classics like Walking Dead, Handmaid's Tale, um, Attack on Titan mm-hmm. C, which is fairly new, but it's wonderful and it's i think it's in its what season is that in is it in third season yet Ooh, I can't we remember. finished the second season okay. just recently okay yeah. yeah okay so what i what i want to say about this by the way is that you see walking dead on the list you're like yeah yeah <laughs> it, it's it's on season 16 or something yeah. like that <laughs> i'm telling you this has been a good walking dead year yeah uh, the the episodes improved. We've been through peaks and valleys with Walking Dead. Oh yeah, and it's not necessarily what you think. Sometimes there's a lot of action, and it's still like eh, not relating. You know, not getting into the story as much. So there's been a lot, but this year it's like The Walking Dead just got a breath of fresh air. It's just like new yeah. life in it. Uh, yeah. They brought back uh, this this really tense relationship between Negan and um, the uh, the girl who she killed her uh, her husband mm-hmm. I'm bad with character names and it, but it's just been it's been great that whole dynamic you know Negan he's been on a 10-year quest to like redeem his character yeah, and yeah. she doesn't care at all because she'll always hate him she, oh you're talking about Maggie yeah yeah Maggie yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've loved that tension. Uh, Daryl has a little more personality than he usually does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's that's been fun. You know, you can criticize the whole storyline with the super soldier, you know, group or whatever. And, and, um, and I do. But mm. on the whole, Walking Dead's been great. World Beyond, we put that in there. A lot of people hated World Beyond. Yeah. So I, I have to make sure I acknowledge that before I say I really liked it, yeah. and um, it took it took some momentum. You know, it, it needed uh, several episodes to start getting really interesting. Mm-hmm. But once it did, I think it it just kind of kept being interesting right until the end. Yeah, yeah. I haven't caught up with it, but I would I would uh, agree with that. Um, and then, you know, let's not leave out C because yeah. you and I both love love C. Oh, yeah. It seems like just about everybody that um, we've introduced it to, you got me into C. And mm-hmm. then uh, there was a lot more people there at, at the site that have started watching it. I don't think anybody's been like, not for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a classic uh story you know it's survive like survivors and kind of like a tribal situation and but no one can see like that's the but then of course there are some who can see which i don't think is a spoiler because they talk about that in the early trailers but uh mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a i've always said it, it's very game of thrones and you, you mm. know you you have the crazy queen and you have the the different factions and you know i i don't know i think it's really well done yeah, and what you what you think is like in fantasy you have special people who have magic or other, you know, sort of special powers. Mm-hmm. In this world, they they take away magic, 
but they still give it to you in the form of sighted people yeah who have all these special powers i mean good i mean if you can shoot an arrow accurately at a distance you're a god on the battlefield of yeah. blind people yeah yeah. So I really like that aspect of it. I think they've done it mostly responsibly. I, I there was a there was a part in I think it was at the end of season one where they had blind people who could shoot accurately for a long ways, and that was uh, shoot an arrow. And it, that was a little, um, you know, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. But other than that, great show. Uh, I really dig it. Uh, couldn't recommend that more. Yeah. And is it better than Snowpiercer? It really depends on your personality, to tell the truth. This isn't a hands-down uh, category here. We have Handmaid's Tale. We haven't touched on that. Uh, and maybe one of the reasons is that um, it's it's not really my thing. I don't think it's your thing either. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I never... I mean, I got in the first couple seasons, and then it really lost me after that. Yeah, they they could... I feel like they could be transitioning the show into something more interesting right now, mm -hmm. but at the moment they're still kind of going to callbacks of the first few seasons and you know what what well, let's let's have something terrible happen and then do a close up of June and you <laughs> yeah. know and do some dramatic music and yeah. it's just the whole thing over and over. Yeah. I but that said, they are progressing the storyline. It is an interesting storyline. Yeah. And you know, I I was a huge huge still am a huge fan of Children of Men, which uh you know is also talking about a catastrophe with regards to the human birth rate. Mm -hmm. And that's very topical because right now we are experiencing that on a global scale yeah in our world yeah it's a good point so yeah handmaid's tale maybe um a blueprint for well let's hope it's not a blueprint for the future <clears throat> yeah <laughs> that would not be good <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's raising the alarm of uh, you know we can turn things around have a new manhattan project to yeah up sperm counts or something but uh uh, yeah. That yeah, that's a strong list. What you're mm -hmm. gonna see on that list is is probably is a lot of different things that for different types of personalities. Yeah, and that kind of explains the team, I think, right there. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go on to okay. So, book the best new post-apocalyptic book of 2021. Uh, Tina took this one. Tina is our resident um, book guru, I would say, uh, and she picked uh, day mm -hmm. zero by c robert cargill 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 um i'm trying to look and see if i've read any of these i haven't read any of these uh of course some of these are big names like neil stevenson um mm -hmm. but recognize that yeah so that was her pick and then for comic book this is the one that i got into because I'm, I, I don't know, like I, I've had a few years off from comic books. I mean, by a few, I mean like 20, <laughs> but I'm back. <laughs> I'm back in these comics. Like I, I got a, a, a free trial for Comixology, which is Amazon's like comic reader app. And it allows you to, it's, it's kind of like Kindle, but it's for comic books. And so you can browse through all these different comic books. And I started finding all these old ones that I read when I was a kid. And I just, and a lot of them are free. Um, if you subscribe, hmm. so it's like a little side subscription to, to Amazon prime. So I took that 30 day trial, got hooked exactly like Amazon wanted me to. <laughs> and then now I'm, I'm reading all these, I'm, I'm like hooked on all these, uh, different comics and reading them, you know, reading through them. So 
I went through these here on on our list. The wall was my number one. It's a very classic, uh, you know, wasteland scavenger story. Uh, the art style is incredible. I think. Um, and it, what's funny is it has. It's not very popular. Like it's not. Um, it just came out actually. Just I think in early December. But it has oh. one review, and it's two out of five stars. This is on Amazon. And the person just <laughs> says that they don't like the art style, which that is a completely, you know, that's that's their opinion. That's a, um, you know, they're, they're entitled to that opinion. Uh, for me, though, I love it. It's a very scratchy art style, you know, very sketchy. And I just, I think it looks really great. Uh, a lot of these other wow. ones on this list are ones that, uh, there's actually, I think, two of these on the list that are comiXology uh, exclusives so i don't know people might see this list and say well where are these you know they're not like th there's no print version well they're basically online only versions uh, so that might be a little tricky but they're really really quality you know quality comics um and then stuff like astra of pan is a really popular one uh and that just came out um what's funny is it wasn't hard to find post-apocalyptic comics that released in 2021 because there are so many of them, you know, every year yeah. it seems like there's 15 to 20 of them or something. And, and so going wow. through them and reading them was, was the, uh, the fun part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm looking at the wall right now and you're right. There's one rating, two stars, yeah. which, uh, honestly, Sean, I blame you. <laughs> yeah. I should go in there and I should rate it. Right. <laughs> I this was, I mean, December twenty first, man. You were you were on it. They barely got their assignment yeah. in on time for you to uh, put this on the list. It made our number one. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, incredible. It <laughs> best comic of twenty twenty one, and it's got two stars on one review. We've got to change that. Uh, Post apoc fam. Yeah. You know, let's let's uh, brigade this uh, review section. You know, don't lie. Yeah. But uh, you know, you can just say. I have a. I know someone who uh, read it, and they said it's really good. And uh, you know, give it a five star. Let's let Antoine and um, Mario know that that they didn't mess up with yeah. this. Because right now, I mean, just imagine getting two stars after several weeks of your comic finally making it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure lots of people go through that, uh, but yeah, this one I think deserves it deserves more than two stars, that's for sure. And like this review even says, it's an interesting story, but choppy, confusing delivery. Well, I mean, it's a comic book, first of all, um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, if if you're into comics, I think you should at least check it out. And if you know, if you have Comicsology already, um, it's it's only two ninety nine on there. Because if you buy the actual um, oh. graphic novel itself, it's all, it's like twenty four bucks. So, yeah, yeah, graphic novel. Yeah, that are, is a great deal. Yeah, is you need a? Do you need a Kindle? Can you just do it on your PC? What are you? Yeah, you can what do are we it. talking I, here? I read on my phone, iPad. You can read on the computer. Yeah, just as long as you have the Kindle app. Or uh, actually, I don't think you can do it on the computer. I don't know, but yeah, I do. I do it on my phone. That's how I hmm. usually read all those. Yeah, so. Cool. Okay, so um, oh, Kickstarter campaign of 2021. So we picked uh, the four, which is a book 
we looked at this book. This is a really interesting book, and it had a huge, huge campaign. I think they raised like, didn't they raise like a couple hundred thousand dollars? I don't, I don't remember. But they oh more, yeah, more, it might have even been in the millions, right? I don't remember if that was the one. But uh, it, it's a book. It's like a survival book that explains how to survive four different types of scenarios in you know end of the world scenarios, and. It has everything from like how to filter water, how to start fires, like unconventional ways. Just really, and, and like it's great information, number one, but also it's illustrated beautifully. Just incredible illustrations. Yeah, um, that it, sets it apart. Yeah, it really does. It's it's more of an art book that ha- that happens to be about how to survive the apocalypse. You know, <laughs> it's like one of those survival books I wouldn't want to throw in my bug out bag because it's I want it out like, you know, coffee table book or something. It's that it's that gorgeous, you know. Uh, so I, I think it really hits the mark in in that kind of, you know, it, it did a great campaign, super, super successful. And I think that, you know, that's what got it ranked up so high. Um, a couple of these other ones on here, though, did pretty, pretty well. Also, uh, Salvage Union is uh, like a mech um, tabletop game hmm. and that actually just ended today uh, I, I I backed it early on and it, it just blew up and I don't know what they ended on I think it was a hundred thousand maybe 150,000 uh, and I think they were trying to get 12,000 so <laughs> they really <laughs> blew away their goal uh, it's super popular I go on their discord and it's just it's just crazy popular. Um, people are really loving it. They, they do game sessions of the game, even though it's not even technically out yet. Uh, so they'll play the game with people in the Discord, and they're teaching people. Oh, cool! You know what about the the lore of the game and the history of it and how to play and all this stuff. So it's really cool. It's a, it's. I think the community is a, a big part of why it's it was so successful. Yeah, we. This was one of those categories. You see, you know, there's five runners up, and there's the winner. And I'm already like, there's several that I know of from the year that didn't even make this list. So, if yeah. you're tempted to think that this is all of them, this is nowhere near all oh, of them. No. Uh, it, it was very crowded list this year. The four definitely uh, surprised us with how much enthusiasm it had. Yeah. And in fact, you found another kickstarter similar yeah to the four that had come out maybe like a year or two ago that had been insanely popular as well yeah yeah that one was called just called the book and it was very similar to this one it had a, a different art style more of like a like a i don't know like an 1800s maybe early 1900s art style uh that was you know mm-hmm. totally different art style but still gorgeous and that one that's the one i think did like two million or something <laughs> on uh Indiegogo, maybe one of those sites. Uh, wow! But yeah, it's it's crazy how successful these types of things are. I think I joked with you and said we're we're in the wrong side of the business here. <laughs> we, need, <laughs> we need to be making these books, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, there's clearly a real need for it. Yeah, because you know I I have this book, um, you know how to like how to survive a nuclear warfare or something. It is so dry, extremely dry. Yeah. Very few illustrations. And yeah, I wanted I want to have all the data, but at the same time, I need to be able to consume it. And uh, you know, so there is a real need for the diagrams, for the illustrations. Um, I have a little iPad that I keep in a Faraday cage, and it has Wikipedia on it, hmm. which is nice as well. But it's also 
you know, Wikipedia only has so many illustrations and, um, that's so important for me, a visual learner. I need, I need to, uh, I need to have that. So I think there's a real need here that's being filled. And, you know, we don't know if the four is the best information out there or the other one that, uh, you just alluded to, but, um, but I'm really glad that the market is showing that response. We're, we're saying, yes, we need more of this. We need more instruction on prepping, mm-hmm. but in a more palatable way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's exactly what this does. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to best post-apocalyptic board slash tabletop game of 2021. Um, we both have a copy of this number one, don't we? Radlands. Indeed. Yeah. Have you played it? No, I haven't. I, I, I've been playing it. I, it. The thing that got me kind of took da- took it down a little bit is I was really excited about it. You know, it's a gorgeous game. It looks it looked fun from the videos I watched. And then when I got down to play it, it's only a two-player. So I was like, oh, you know, I have hmm. four kids and, uh, and my wife, and we like to play board games a lot and tabletop games. Mm-hmm. So we've I've only played it kind of one on one with you know another kid or or my wife or whatever. But I I'm really impressed. I think it's a good it's a fun little game. It's quick. You know you can do quick little games in it, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Which is you might see a, a pattern here. You know I love these games with great art styles and and anything with a great art style. And that's what Radlands yeah. is. It, it and not only that you know it it was a also a Kickstarter. And it did really, really well. So it got really popular. Uh, there's lots of reviews on it on, on YouTube if you want to check it out and see what it's about. A lot of gameplay videos, you know. So it's a fun little game. I'm, I'm curious, what did your what did your son think about it? Um, well, he liked it. Uh, it took him a while. I, he's actually a little out of the demographic because he's eight. And he's supposed <laughs> to be a little older to play it. So it took him a little while oh, yeah. to, to figure it out. Uh, but we we actually kind of simplified the rules a little bit for him. Um, but, it, you know, he still loved it. He loved looking at the cards, too, because they're so cool looking. But maybe he gets yeah, it from I, me. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't even playing uh, the Pokemon card game until I was, like, at least 11. Oh, yeah. Maybe 12. Yeah. So, you know, and I thought that was fairly complex. Um, we, we like to – we we have a game night on Sunday nights, and we try to do board games uh, – this kid is like a master of Catan. I don't know if you've ever played that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so, I mean, you know, that kind of gives you an idea uh, of what we're, you know, what we're dealing with here with this kid. Uh, so, yeah, he loves board games. Impress. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's see. Let's go on to the next category. This is video game. Best post-apocalyptic video game of 2021. Now, this is one that I know you have something to say about. Right. Yeah, yeah. There, there maybe was a little, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? A little voter fraud here. Just gonna uh, don't don't gonna ca- candy coat the situation. Um, basically, we had we had a set voting system with points mm-hmm. uh, all written out, but uh, but Sean actually tabulated them in the end. Mm-hmm. and uh, came across a gray area in the rules. And um, that is when the scores of two uh, nominees are the same. Uh-huh. So uh, 
you, you know, in, in a normal democracy, we might revote or <clears throat> have some sort of repara- referendum, but uh, we're not really a democracy, are we, Sean? No, um, apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so Back for Blood and Halo Infinite were pretty much tied for first. Um, and the, the deciding factor for me was the fact that more people voted for, for Back for Blood, you know, than Halo Infinite. Like the, the Halo Infinite was you, I think you had it as your number one and a couple people had it as their, you know, like number five or whatever down there. But Back for Blood was like yeah. first and second consistently with more people. So I, I figured, you know, well, that, that counts a little bit more. Right. Yeah, well, they had they had a better marketing campaign. Let's let's be honest here. Like, you know, we you and me, uh, we're the the biggest gamers. I would say. Yeah. I think Tina uh, yeah, does yeah. some gaming. Uh, Val does a lot of gaming, but doesn't specifically focus on post apoc. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, not a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we had a lot of um, a lot of guessing, a lot of uh, you know based off the trailers here but i played several hours of back for blood and halo infinite and a few of the others on this list last Mm -hmm. stand uh so i feel like um you know maybe my opinion should have been uh should have given me bonus points or something (laughs) that's true yeah i should have taken consideration (laughs) We'll we'll consider that in in future voting, but let's just say there is a uh, asterisk here. Back for Blood, I liked Back for Blood, but it but it's um, for starters, it made me feel sick, and I just can't um, I can't give great accolades to a game. You know, it, it, there's a lot of people who can't play first person shooters because it makes them you know motion sick a little mm. bit. And uh, I kind of sit in the middle ground where I can play Call of Duty all day. I can play Halo most of the day. Uh, so, you know, it really kind of just depends on the game uh, engine and, and how they do the animations. Mm-hmm. But um, but there's going to be an equally large, I think, group who say Back for Blood is the best among the hardcore gamers and an equally large saying Halo Infinite. It will be interesting. Back for Blood actually came up with some really innovative multiplayer games where you 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 half of the players are zombie super zombies essentially mm-hmm. and the other half are fighting off a horde of zombies in addition to the super zombies. And it sounds really fun. Um Halo Infinite not as innovative. It's iterative. Um Every Halo game is essentially the same. Uh, so, you know, you, you know what you're getting into. Yes, they're adding things. Halo 3 added, like, all these little um, powers that you get. And then Halo Infinite is uh, you don't even have those powers anymore, but you have power-ups all over the level that give you all sorts of different little um, abilities. Mm-hmm. So there there are a lot of um, a lot of similarities with every game in that series. And I think back for blood really did innovate. So at least in that category, you have to say, um, that that's great. But, but saying that halo infinite innovated, you had an open world halo game. That's amazing. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. So if you didn't know, it's kind of RPG ish at the, in the, in the campaign, which is really new for halo. It's used to be very linear. Mm -hmm. 
but now you can choose how to upgrade your equipment. There's all these tech trees that you can go down. Uh, you can choose which uh, parts of the island to secure first. And when you do, you get like human soldier reinforcements and they like go with you on your missions. You just like walk up close to them. They're like, all right, let's go master chief. And then, uh, you know, they'll die immediately once you get into a real fight. Yeah. But, uh, but it's nice. It's, it's a, it's very different from previous games. So hmm. anyways, I'll get off my, um, soapbox on this and just say, uh, Halo Infinite is, is going to be my number one this year. Hmm. See, I didn't even have either of those as my number one. I had surviving the aftermath, which is a, mm. uh, like a city builder kind of like banished, uh, if anyone's played that and, um, it, you know, very much like uh, age of empires, those kind of games. Um, I love that game. That was that was my favorite. I wrote a thing about it last year. I think I played it in early access, and wrote a, a little review of it. Uh, so I mean that you know that's the thing is it's so uh, just out there and just in all directions when it comes to <laughs> to our our personal preferences for games on this you know on yeah. the team because you like shooters you like you know Halo games but I'm more of a uh, I, I mean, I'm more of an RPG guy, but also city building and stuff like that. Um, you know, so I think that that's... And, like, Val picked Golf Club Wasteland as her number one. And, mm. uh, I mean, that's a, that's a really incredible game, but it's it's a side-scroller, and I just couldn't, you know, I didn't get into it as much. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's just funny. It's just like we have a really a, a variety of opinions and to try to to try to come together and pick a, a best of is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> we we need to like um, take a like a one month high vacation together or something yeah. and like go through these. Uh, so you know maybe that'll be a, a Patreon in the future <laughs> so that we can uh, go to Hawaii together or something. There you go. Uh, tell Team me, okay, building. so surviving the aftermath. Yeah, right. Well, that'll be a, a tax write-off. Yeah, that, yeah. That'll be a, a worthy cause to donate. Yeah. Surviving the Aftermath is a turn-based or is it an RTS? It's turn-based. Um, yeah, so it's, okay. it's not exactly like uh, like Age of Empires. It's just kind of in that same style where you're, you're building up your city after, you know, the apocalypse, and you have to build up different resources and you have to you send your guys out and then you also have like these uh, uh, what are they called? I forgot what they call them but they're like these mercenaries that you send out into the world to do different things and it, it's an interesting game. It's It has a lot of really unique features I think but also a lot of features that you see in other games like that too. So, mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, before we move on I just want to give a shout out to The Last Stand Aftermath. It is an indie game, so mm. far as I... It's indie-ish. I mean, this is a game studio that's been in business for more than 10 years, so it, it's kind of indie, but it's a small game studio. Um, they made a roguelike game, which, if you're not familiar with that term, it basically means you, you're supposed to die, yeah. and you're supposed to lose over and over, over and, and over, you yeah. just kind of see how far you can get with each run. Uh, generally, that's the roguelike formula so the last stand kind of changes it up they're like you are um this dis destined to die 
person who's just trying to do one good act before you die, and that is to explore and help the colony understand what's outside the gates. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a fun game. It it doesn't deliver on every aspect. You know, in the marketing, they were like, uh, you know, every run builds upon the previous run. It's not exactly true. Mm. So, um, you know, I thought I would just like stroll through the neighborhoods of all the cleared uh, places that, you know, my previous life I'd cleared. It's not exactly like that. The zombies kind of repopulate throughout there. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, it's challenging. It's different, very different um than what i usually play i don't think i've seen a game real similar to it so um so anyways that one's we're checking out uh as well golf club wasteland won all sorts of accolades mm-hmm. um you know as we said sean and i are not um you know real excited about the premise however uh, there's been other games where like you know tony hawk pro skater was a classic example for me that I wasn't into skating or anything, but I played the tar out of that game. Yeah. Huh. So Golf Club Wasteland, maybe maybe worth worth trying. Timberborn, uh, very different yeah. kind of a concept, and um, it may be really great. I just haven't played it yet. That's a, it's another city builder, but it's just with, through the like eyes of beavers, like post-apocalyptic <laughs> beavers. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> But it's fun, actually, if someone wants to see what that's about, there are tons of people who play it on Twitch. And uh, just because of the, you know, humorous aspect of it, it's it's pretty funny. What's with beavers? There was a movie called Zombievers. Oh, really? I don't know. It's like that. on Netflix. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. If you know, if you know why beavers continue to be a recurring theme in post-apocalyptic, uh, put that in the comments. <laughs> yes. Do we have comments for this? Just yeah. leave us a review. Come on, people. And subscribe. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what you do these days is you subscribe, you leave a review. Yeah. And then we come back. That's right. Uh, okay, so let's go on to our craziest post-apocalyptic news of 2021. Now, this is always a fun oh topic because we, we basically go through, we, we get together and we go through all these old crazy topics and, and the ones that stick out in our minds the most, you know? And I think the one that won for for this category was the self-healing xenobots uh, that can reproduce. I mean, what's, what? Yeah. Right? Trigger warning if you care about, you know, humanity. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to frighten you. Yeah. It's it's crazy news because you I can't even imagine you know, like how we even got to this point, <laughs> you know, where we have robots that, first of all, that was the first thing is they made these robots to self heal like a year ago or a couple of years ago. And now they figured out that they actually can reproduce and they've watched these, <laughs> these like nanobot, these xenobots, they call them, they're like nanobot cells that reproduce and they, they form like a Pac-Man and they envelop a cell and then they reproduce they produce another one and it's like what how is that even it's that's like beyond science fiction that's crazy you know and it's yeah scary. <laughs> yeah i mean is is ai already in charge is this is this just more evidence that we've completely lost the uh reins on this yeah <laughs> i mean 
Well, so first of all, first of all, I want to I want to go back a little bit to um, uh, to a movie that I saw when I was young. It was called Screamers. You ever heard of oh, Screamers? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so this is a movie uh, gave me nightmares as I was a kid um, because it depicts a world in which they build, uh, you know, battle bots essentially who can who can uh, run their own factories. Mm-hmm. And uh, the premise is that of Screamers is that uh, there's a war. They build these factories. They're pumping out robots that kill people. And if you're on the right side of the war, you wear this little device that tells the robots to leave you alone mm. well um but they also thought it's a war you know the enemy is going to be changing their tactics so we need our robots to be able to evolve on their own which uh ends up being a bad idea because they evolve the ability to ignore your little armband mm. that marks you as a friendly yeah and so you know from a young young age i was uh I was exposed to this idea that maybe letting the robots control their own uh, production and evolution isn't a good idea. That's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, in fact, they didn't even design the self-producing thing. They they asked AI to design yeah. it, and um, so like, yeah, this is really disturbing. Uh, what, what? And then you fast forward a little bit, and we had a um, uh, Stargate is a great sci-fi series by the way it's one of my top sci-fi series of all time I highly recommend checking out it's not post-apocalyptic but there is a uh murderous ai that uh that is in that story and that's all it is it's just this it's they had a they programmed the smallest robotic entity they could that could like build itself and reproduce itself and so that's all that was all the instructions and it just like keeps on going off those instructions for infinity which becomes a big problem when you know a lot of the galaxy starts to be assimilated essentially Uh yeah so yeah so this is terrifying um they claim that it's probably not a big deal (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I, I like how they hired these scientists. I forgot what they call them. They're like moral uh, experts. <laughs> and they said, uh, we hired these moral experts. They said, it's fine. So it's fine. And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. You, well. <laughs> could you imagine that job? What yeah. is that? I yeah. want that job. But, oh, yeah. but yeah, they're, they're, what are they even doing? They're like sitting there thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. It's the, probably AI has some blackmail material on them, and uh, <laughs> they'll just they'll just greenlight whatever. Yeah, we have some we have some more um, really dystopian things, and since we're kind of we're kind of running out of time, I want to move to a few of these. So, um, Facebook wants you to rat out your prepper friends mm-hmm. during National Prepared I can't speak today preparedness month uh-huh. uh sean you, you mind explaining that to us because I, I know you wrote this article. yeah that one was crazy because it was basically where facebook was uh flagging people who were in canning groups p- people who are canning which is canning. just a traditional thing that people do when they want to preserve food they were saying are you know let us know if these people are preparing too much 
you know, if they're canning too much, because that means that there's some kind of, you know, I don't know, like extremist group or something like that, you know? So that's what they're, they're looking what? for extremists. And so they, they're looking at this and saying, oh, canning equals extremism. I, I don't know. It's, some, it, it's crazy. I don't know it, whatever happened with that. I think there were a couple, um, you know, pop-ups that came up on some people's um, groups that they were in and they took screenshots of it. But I don't know whatever happened to it. I don't know if Facebook was banning those people or if they just stopped doing that. I don't know. What a what a weird like canning is so um, widespread yeah. like it, people do it all the time and you, you know I I've been eating a lot more healthy fresh food lately and I found that yeah you don't have the preservatives canning is a way to preserve food without using a lot of chemicals yeah. and uh, acid and things like that 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 a lot of people disagree with it's very uh, widespread simple process mm-hmm. not at all extreme yeah so uh for facebook to take this step ta- you know facebook's been blundering a lot yeah I, I remember it wasn't too long ago that like the declaration of independence was being censored for like hate speech or something yeah so <laughs> yeah they're they're having some issues over at facebook but this one seemed like you know the declaration of independence thing probably just like a, a algorithm mishap this seemed to be a real decision. Yeah. Somebody somewhere thought the connection between canning and extremism is strong enough. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, I don't even know what to think about that. But, you know, my my gut reaction since I'm a rebel is like, we need to can more. <laughs> Which is hard because canning supplies are very short these days it drives my wife crazy (laughs) she's she's like when you go to the store look for canning lids see if they have canning lids (laughs) nobody has them yeah it's crazy oh really i didn't know y'all were such into canning oh yeah Um, i need to tell facebook (laughs) Uh oh this podcast is flagged now (laughs) (laughs) um okay so pentagon confirms latest ufo video is real now we don't have the time to uh if we had hours we wouldn't have the time to get really into the ufo situation but i am all over it you guys ufos are real they're happening we are not they're not our ships Mm -hmm. and they're probably not any other country's ships because uh they they do things that are seemingly impossible for any aircraft that we have uh, this is getting this is getting serious. Um, not too long ago, you can go on Discovery Channel. They had a three-hour special. This was uh, less than a year ago. I highly recommend re- watching that because they have the the director of NASA come on. They have Harry Reid, uh, recently deceased Harry Reid, who uh, came on because he is a big wig in Washington and he's seen some stuff that he really wants to the public to have access to mm-hmm. legally. They can't release all of the UFO info, but these are some high profile people yeah. coming out and saying there is something to this. Yeah. And I, what I think is interesting, too, is th- the fact I mean, they, in the past, they just haven't admitted that they didn't know what these objects were. They've just said, oh, that's probably this or we're not going to comment on it. And that's basically mm-hmm. been it for, you know, the last whatever, 60, 70 years. But. Now they're the fact that they're admitting it's like step one. They're admitting that they don't know what these things are, and 
you know, it's not like people just do things around the world and we don't know about it. Like just recently, just yesterday, North Korea was testing rockets and they're shooting off rockets. And Japan, both Japan and South Korea reported this. They said, hey, everyone, they're, they're shooting rockets. They're testing rockets. So it's not like countries can just shoot off these uh, experimental aircraft and no one will know about it, you know. So, uh, I mean, besides the U.S., yeah. I guess we're the only ones that can do that. <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? It's, it, there's no secrets, really. It's hard to keep secrets in this day and age of where everyone has cameras and everyone has, you know, information at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this stuff to, to be flying around out there and for everyone to pretty much be shrugging their shoulders and saying, I don't know what that is, either they do know what it is or they, it's scary that they don't know what it is. You know, either way, it's scary. Right. And, and let me just say, as, as recently as a year ago, when I first really started getting into this, I, I would say, you know, once, um, once the government affirmed that the New York Times videos were real, there were three videos, they were released in 2017. Once the government confirmed those were real, I really started getting into UFO interest. Uh, because that was really something official that I could seek my teeth into. And, and since I found that I, I had been ignoring the topic to my own detriment, there's a lot of eyewitnesses, people who are trustworthy, in my opinion, that have been talking about this a lot longer than that. But, you know, when, it, when I was young, I looked into UFOs and it was all crazy looking people, you know, going yeah. out in the desert and partying or something. And it just, it didn't look legit on first blush. So, um, so I was wrong about that let me say that uh but like my my assumptions going in is that they're friendlies yeah and um the more i've researched into this the more i question that assumption and so uh yeah they're not they're not an outright open warfare against us but there are questions as to um what are their motives uh why haven't we had first contact yet uh, are they preparing for something? Are they, uh, you know, testing our defenses? What is exactly is the situation where we have these ships that we keep seeing, but don't want us to really contact them or talk to them? It, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, okay. So let's, let's move on. Um, or we could stay. We could, I mean, the monkeys in India story. <laughs> we could have a whole podcast about that that whole topic. I think. <laughs> Good uh, point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the next one, which is Industry Achievement Award. Um, and we gave this one to Jason Momoa and I, the man himself. Yeah, I, I wrote a little kind of short bio thing on him. Some of this is from Wikipedia, but uh, I, you know, he. It's not only the fact that he. I mean, he's just in everything these days, but also he's been in a lot of post-apocalyptic movies and, and TV shows. And some of these are, are you know, not really post-apocalyptic that I listed. Like Conan the Barbarian is uh, is uh, theorized to be post-apocalyptic. Some people say that it, it actually, it's a medieval oh, story yeah. in the apocalypse, you know, like thousands of years later. That's what some people say. But so I think that kind of, I, I listed it, it kind of counts. But then you look at stuff mm-hmm. like Bad Batch, which is a great movie. Dune, oh, yeah. which we, we just talked about. Uh, Braven is a survival movie, which I think, you know, it kind of counts for the website. Mm. For, you know, we, we cover a lot of survival stuff. Um, and then TV shows, Game of Thrones, which we talked about is, you know, 
distantly post-apocalyptic. Uh, Frontier, mm-hmm. which is a survival one, and then C, of course, which is the the TV show that is brilliantly post-apocalyptic. Yes. So, I mean, all Very this clearly. stuff, you get all this together, and he's really just in everything, you know, and he does such a great job. He's such a great character. I mean, he plays kind of the same guy in a lot of these, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, to be honest, but um, Bad Batch, did you, you saw the Bad Batch, right? Yeah. That was a yeah, really Yeah, I loved movie. it. Yeah, I really liked that movie. That was one of those movies, and, and some of my favorite movies are like this, where on when I first finished my watch, I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. And then kind of over time, recollecting the movie and just when it comes to mind, it it gained ground in my head as being a really good movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I love The Bad Batch. And, you know, another thing to say about Jason Momoa, this is our Industry Achievement Award, but we look at it every aspect of um, who we give this to. And, uh, you know, he's he's been a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. And the things that uh, I, I wish I had the specific stories, but I, I hear about how, you know, he was suffering financially during Game of Thrones, uh, even, even starring on Game of Thrones, huge show. Uh, he couldn't pay the bills. Mm. It was very difficult the journey that he's been on. And so it's just a really feel good story to see a guy go from, you know, having nothing essentially. And now he is everywhere. I mean, he's probably one of the most beloved actors in, uh, in movies right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this of course is not an exhaustive list. This is not everything he's done because he's done, you know, Aquaman and, and all these other Mm -hmm. big, big movies starring in in these big movies and uh and we didn't list those because they're not post-apocalyptic but yeah he has a a really big portfolio yeah very 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 impressed i'm you know i feel grateful in a way i know it's kind of weird but i'm like i'm grateful that he lit his star power to c because c is a great show and it needed it probably needed some hook yeah like that yeah all right, and then our last category here is most anticipated for, oh, it says 2021. I need to change that. It should say 2022. Huh. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that through all this. Uh, yeah, so most anticipated for 2022, and huh. we have a lot. I mean, this this runs the whole gamut from TV shows, movies, games, you know, all that. And our winner was Raised by Wolves Season 2. Which is coming out mm. in what next month, February? Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about that. What uh how do you feel about that one? That one uh is it I have mixed emotions on it because yes, I am super, super excited about Raised by Wolf season two. I I won't dither on that. Um but at the same time, uh I don't know that it's gonna be great. Yeah. And I only say that because uh, the director is famously very artsy and um, symbols are really thick in uh, his works. Uh, Ridley Scott. Yeah. You know, everybody knows. Yeah. And so um, that doesn't that a lot of times it goes over my head and uh, I don't end up like really liking it. But season one had enough 
for me to enjoy that I'm like, yes, I really, really am looking forward to season two. Yeah. So yeah, so a big bit of a mixed bag there, and it wasn't my number one. I'll say that, but it was, it's still very exciting. What about you? Um, yeah, I'm. Let's see. I forgot what I picked for my number one. I know that it wasn't everyone's, uh, you know, top one. Oh, my number one was actually Arc Raiders, which is a game. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, Raised by Wolves season two is my second pick, but uh, Arc Raiders is it's now it was just announced, so it's you know it's super early. We just have one trailer, so for me to get psyched up about it off of one trailer but it is it looks incredible and i i love games you know we, we talked about that before we're both gamers but i love games i would rather play games and watch tv anyway so i think <laughs> that's kind of why that was you know way up there but um yeah tell me about arc raiders like what kind of what kind of game is it it's uh so it's basically a shooter and you land on these planets and or you land on the planet i think the planet is earth but i think it's like um i forgot how they did that if it's like a cloned earth or something like that i'm getting i might be getting mixed up with icarus but um so the the trailer shows you're running around shooting these giant robots and you're it's a co-op which is very important i mean you know Hmm. for me like you know i play with my friends and and we have we love these group of four games you know these like four player co-op games and yeah it just shows you and your friends running around shooting these giant robots and all around it is like this ruined, destroyed city, very like, you know, Fallout 4 looking area. But the it, it just looks incredible. I mean, every year it's, you know, games get more and more incredible looking and uh, mm-hmm. it looks like a really incredible game. I, I don't know. It just really got me excited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the graphics look amazing. Uh, that's going to be a great one. And the day before is another game on this list also has good graphics. Um, they make so many lofty promises and after cyberpunk and fallout 76, I'm not believing any, uh, lofty promises until I see it in the final product. Um, so, you know, we're, we'll wait and see, but it, it looks like really fun game too. Um, Horizon Forbidden West is on the list. Mm. Not being a PlayStation owner, I can't really weigh in on Horizon. Yeah, Uh, I think you're you're probably the same way. Yeah, and that's really the the one downside to that game is it's an exclusive on PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I get my PlayStation, and I'm gonna get one, I'm 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 planning on it. But when I get it, last thing I'm the first thing I'm playing is Last of Us. Yeah. That looks so amazing. I, I'll sit there for an hour and watch people play Last of Us 2 because it is just such a night, like such a fun game, it looks like, uh, with so much creativity. A beautiful game. Yeah. Um, other things on the list. All right, let me let me just give you the pitch for the two that I think are the most exciting anticipated things for 2022. Halo TV series, that's going to be huge. Mm. We've been waiting for this for decades yeah yeah decades <laughs> finally uh getting our tv series so you know steven spielberg picked it up and dropped it and all these other you know big names just really excited about that uh it's finally coming out also also westworld season four we are in yeah. full-on robo apocalypse people <laughs> that's this is our chance this is our, this is the new terminator uh, I feel like a lot of people aren't aware of just how far the plot has come because p- 
people just fell off the boat on season three. Yeah. Uh, a lot on season two and it was all like localized and the robots are just in their little playpen, but they are out and they are organizing to wipe us out. So, um, this is the season when all of it, I think, will come to fruition. We're going to see the epic humans versus robots uh, conflict um, get to the uh, the apex. There's a better word. Hmm. Climax. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that one, too. I, I'm a big fan of Westworld. Uh, season one, you know, was incredible. I, I love the movie back from the yeah. 80s with Yul Brenner uh and oh I haven't seen it yeah it's I mean it's the same premise it's just uh Yul Brenner's the the robot and it's not as you know I mean it's 80s so it's not as uh <laughs> as detailed as this one you know but yeah I, I'm a huge fan of Westworld and and season four yeah that's it's on my list definitely did you I I know there's several old movies did you watch just the one or did you watch them all uh I watched the original uh, I don't think I saw any of the other ones. There were other ones that that weren't Western. There was like Westworld, and then there was uh, yes. What was the other one called? I don't, but they were like different, you know, scenarios. Uh, but the same premise, you know, people basically right. visiting, I, you know, and then the, the robots go crazy. Oh, okay. So, well, is it is it in the same series? Is it all one canon? I'm not sure. Or? I'm not sure if it's. Uh, I know that they just made a bunch of them. You know, with after the success of Westworld, oh, but yeah, I wish okay. I could remember what those other ones are called. I think they're available to stream on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. That was that was a few years ago. I added those to my watch list and just com- completely forgot about it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Westworld. You know, Westworld deserves to be up there. I think. Um, I think. Uh, I I so you know, there's another controversial pick raised by wolves excited about it but uh but it, it didn't get my personal number one mm-hmm. and that's why but you know what that's why we have a democracy because you know one person's opinion it probably doesn't represent most people yeah and again it points back to the fact that we we really have a, a variety of people you know working here and it's uh yeah it's great i love it because i, I feel like you know we have a person who loves this stuff we have a person who loves this stuff and <laughs> And it works well, but but then when we get together for these awards, it's like everyone picks their own, <laughs> you know, their own favorites, which are, which are drastically different. Except when it comes to like Sweet Tooth, <laughs> everyone agreed that Sweet Tooth was great. But uh, yeah, stuff like this, anticipated. Yeah. We all have our own, you know, favorites, and so yeah. I'm just grateful to be in a world where there is so much that we can be disagreeing on it. Yeah. You know, like when Terminator 2 came out, were they disagreeing? No, everybody was like, this is the one thing we get this year. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know. You were, <laughs> you're more of an OG than me. <laughs> but that's my assumption. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I remember when Terminator 2 came out. Yeah, it's... <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, so this... Uh, we also have, like you said, Day Before is on here, another game... And then we have Attack on Titan's final season. I had um, a couple more that didn't make the list. Like I had Walking Dead's season 11 uh, conclusion, mm-hmm. which it's kind of hard to count that because it's still, you know, the season already came out, but then it broke into these chunks that are so far apart that you forget what's going on by the time the next one comes out. So it's a little a little fractured, but, but I, I'm excited <laughs> yeah. for the last part. 
Yeah, we we don't know. Like it's it's essentially meaningless to pay attention to the seasons at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, just pick a pick a really exciting episode and make that your season finale uh, in your headcanon, and and that's basically the best you can do because yeah, they'll they'll be like we're back for two episodes, then we're gone for two months, yeah. and then we're gonna lay eight episodes, and uh, that's two seasons. It's ends and starts, and I, I think it was uh, Bill who said that he can't he can't do that. Like he has to wait till it's all done, and then he'll go and watch it all at once. And I'm like, you know. That's mm. a good idea, <laughs> but I don't know if I can wait yeah. that long. It's, uh. Yeah, and and by the way, now we have to put an asterisk because today news came out Attack on Titan may not be doing their final season. Oh. They may be doing another season that actually adds to the canon because the manga, we're, we're about to the end of the book series. And so if we if this season ends at the end of the book season – and it keeps going, then it's going to be completely new content that even the readers aren't aware of. Yeah. Huh. So Stephanie's super excited about that. I am too. I think that, that, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe I would like it to end where it ends. So we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep going. You got to, I mean, the, the wild success of the show is incredible. I'm sure they're looking at that. And they're like, how can we make this keep going? <laughs> yeah. 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 Do a little, do a little alternate universe, electric boogaloo style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is, uh, that's it. That's our entire Boomy Awards. And uh, I- I'm glad right. you came on and, and we got to talk about this because this was fun. Yeah. I love, I love this. I love debating the situation in the media and uh, disagreeing with you is just one of my favorite things. <laughs> I've noticed so, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anytime. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Check us out at postapocalyptic.com or postapocalypticmedia.com. And, uh, and you know, check out all our social media there. Check out the notes for today's show where, where we'll have links to all the stuff we we're talking about. And, uh, and that's really it. So you want to you wanna get us out of this episode with your, your classic line? Yes. Yes, because people really need to know that they need to stay safe, everybody, and always be ready for the big one. There you go. Thanks, everyone. Adios.